Uh, I'm Scott Bennett, and I'm currently serving as the uh, chairman of the elders here at Cornerstone Church, and um, I'm going to pray for you now from Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 17. Uh, We're going to uh, be looking at Luke 24 passage today, so if you want to turn there, that's fine. But I'm, uh, again, praying for you from Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 17. Father God, I keep asking that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give Cornerstone Church and our visitors here today the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they, Cornerstone, would know you, Lord, better. I pray that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened in order that uh, we here could know the hope to which you, Lord, have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people, and your incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. Amen. Here is my goal for today. My goal for today is um, that you will be able to answer this question for yourself. What does the death of Jesus Christ on the cross mean to me today? What does the death of Jesus Christ on the cross mean to you today? Uh, looking at, uh, at Luke 24, um, <clears throat> just a little background there. Um, we, uh, the story in Luke, we're at the point where Jesus has lived the perfect life. Uh, he um, came, he taught, lived the perfect life. You know the story. And then he was brutally uh, murdered, beaten to death, hung on a cross, was crucified, and uh, he, he actually died. Um, and then uh, he, at this point in the story, he has been raised from the dead, and many of his disciples have actually seen him. And then, uh, and then we have these uh, two, Cleopas and an unnamed person. And a little background on them. We don't know much. But one person obviously is unnamed. Uh, we don't know if it's uh, two guys walking along, a guy and his wife. We don't know, and apparently that's not important. Clearly, in Luke 24, the important person here is Jesus Christ. Um, so we're going to pick up the story right there in uh, Luke 24, verse 17. And he said to them, he being Jesus, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk along? And they stood still, looking sad. Now, obviously, they were were kept from recognizing who Jesus was. Uh, The NIV says that instead of sad, this NIV says their faces were downcast. Verse 18, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of our women... Some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning. When they did not find his body, they came back and saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Okay, just hold your uh, place right there for a minute. They have a lot about Jesus Christ right. They've, uh, they know that he's going to be, that the Messiah is going to be the conquering king. Uh, they're, just, they're trying to process all this. They really don't understand why Jesus died. They don't understand the, uh, the part of Isaiah 53 that was placed up on the overhead during the, um, during the song, during the uh, piano piece, um, that Jesus, Jesus was a suffering servant. They didn't, they didn't get that part of it. So Jesus is going to explain it to them. And uh, he had already explained it to them. He explained it to them uh, through the, the Old Testament, which took over a thousand years to write. Now he's going to explain it to them in a day. Um, and in uh, verse 25, this is what Jesus says to them. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And uh, here's, here's again the question that I want you to answer today for yourself is, what does the cross of Jesus Christ mean to me today? And uh, now, uh, Jesus went through the Old Testament as he's walking along this seven mile track uh, with these two, and he laid everything out about himself. This is Jesus explaining Jesus. If you want to know Jesus Christ better, read the Old Testament. Understand it. And uh, uh, here's, here's one thing that the cross means for me, is that it gives, it gives me a framework to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament in my life. Uh, Jesus is explaining the cross through the Old Testament. We should uh, be students of the Old Testament understanding that it points forward to his death and resurrection. I want to mention a lot about the, the cross and Jesus' death, but again, this is being explained from the resurrected Savior, and we have a hope in the resurrection. So what does the cross mean to us today? Uh, I think we all have a, a, a pretty good understanding that it means reconciliation between us and God the Father that there was a, a demand for uh, a penalty for sin, and that sin, uh, that, that penalty was death, that Jesus took our death. We, uh, we understand that, as, as for most of us as believers, we've got a pretty good grasp on that. Um, but how does the cross of Jesus Christ help us to live each day as we go to school, as we go to summer camp, as we go to work, as we raise kids? What, how does the cross interact with our daily lives? Um, well, a number of ways. I've already mentioned that it helps us to understand the Bible. Um, uh, it's for reconciliation, reconciling man to God. Uh, um, how many of us have struggled with shame? Uh, it's, it's something that can be paralyzing. And the, in the cross, we see that Jesus took our shame. He, took, he, he died for us so that we could have eternal life, but he also took our shame. So as Christians... We can, we can deal with it. We can, we can go the cross. We can focus on Jesus Christ. And, and it's a mental exercise sometimes. We have to really deal with shame. And how do we deal with it? By saying that Jesus says that he took it for us. Um, for worship. How, how can the cross 
be for worship. Uh, currently, we see through a glass darkly. We do not see Jesus face to face. But we know that when we do see Him, Revelation, it tells us that you know, we'll see the Lamb who was slain. That speaks of the cross. Um, Jesus Christ is to be worshipped, and the only way that we can really worship Him is by being put back in a right relationship with God. I believe that all worship should be Christ-centered and focused on the person work of Jesus Christ in, in responding to Him appropriately. Um, uh, here's, here's one way that, that God interacted with me. This is probably 20 years ago. Have you ever, have you ever sat back and thought, you know, this whole world, this you know, church and everything that, that's going on here, you know, is this some sort of game? Maybe there is a God out there, but maybe this is some sort of game. This is a thought that went through my mind one time. And the thing that brought me back to reality is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, walked on this planet, and died for me. When you... Everything else apart, yeah, it could, could be a game for God, but if God sends His Son that He loves to die for me, then He's taking this life very seriously, and so should I. It's not a game to God. Um, for sin, uh, now, if you're a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, uh, and believing that, that God the Father has made a covenant with Jesus Christ and Jesus' blood, and he's saying, I have saved this one, and you're one of those. That you, If you believe and trust the blood of Jesus Christ saves you, then you're a Christian. And if you haven't, uh, then you should talk to one of us later. Um, but now that we, we deal with sin in our own lives now, uh, how do we deal with sin? I would say you deal with sin at the cross. Um, what do you mean? Well, First uh, John, First John, um, John, the, the uh, disciple that Jesus loved, said that if um, that he was writing to God's people, and he said, "I write this to you so that you will not sin." He follows that up. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate who speaks to the Father in our defense, and that's Jesus Christ. How does he speak to the Father? His His blood speaks to the Father. His blood has covered your sin, past, present, and future. Now, what you have to understand is about sin is that God hates your sin. You know, there is no... God doesn't wink and nod at sin and say, well, you know, that's okay. Um, God hates sin. And we have to deal with it. And we need to continue going to the cross when, you, when you're facing a sin in your life, go to the cross, understand that God hates it and that Jesus hated it enough to die. Um, now, in crisis, crisis situation, um, how, you know, we, you know we, we go to counselors, which, are, you know, there are many really wonderful counselors right, right in our church. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is actually called the Wonderful Counselor. And how does the Wonderful Counselor counsel us in the midst of a crisis? And, um, you know, this, this part of this message for 99% of you, and then I'll give another message for the 1% who don't have a crisis in their life right now. Um, 
and this is for us. And I, I'll give you a, um, uh, a teaching and then an example here. Uh, in a crisis, and we face crises of all kinds, it could be our own physical pain, uh, death, um, uh, financial crisis, whatever it may be. How does, the, how does the cross of Jesus Christ help us in that? Um, Romans 8.32 tells us, He did not spare His Son, but gave Him up for us. Will He not also give us all things? Um, not saying that He's going to you know, snap His fingers and take care of, and get you out of that crisis right away. There's also, uh, we've got to persevere, but we have to trust God. If He did that for us, He will also take care of, of all things. He's taking care of our of our sin. We've gone over that already. He's taking care of all of our sin. When you, uh, how many of you, you know, make a list of things that you've really got to take care of, things that you've got to do? I'm always doing that. And, um, uh, you know, when you were born, you had one really big thing that you had to take care of, and that's being reconciled to God. And Jesus Christ checked that box for you if you trust in His blood. But in a crisis, you've got to to really focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ. What did He do for you? What, are you tr- if you trust Him for salvation, are you going to trust Him to get through this crisis? Um, so, personal crisis for me would be that, uh, you know, uh, now obviously uh, Denise Ackley is going through a much bigger personal crisis right now. Her brother passed away, and um, we should continue praying for um, Denise and the family and pray for Tim because when he gets back um, he's going to have to face me and uh, so I, I emailed Tim and I'll never do this again I said Tim whatever I can do you know um, <laughs> while you're gone and um, so he emails back guess what you know okay can you preach this Sunday and I'm going okay um Okay, so here we have a personal crisis for me, and now you're all involved in this personal crisis. Um, this is the body of Christ at work. Um, uh, I really had to, to say, okay, you know, if Jesus Christ died for me, will He not also help me with all things? And I had to, I had to deal with this. Uh, you know, uh, I can say this is not the first time I have ever preached a sermon. Last night was the first time I ever preached a sermon. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, if you ever, uh, you've heard of um, Jonathan Edwards, the great, uh, on Father's Day, he was great, uh, he was around with the founding fathers and he was a great preacher. And he preached this sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And people were cut to the heart uh, and just screaming and, and jumping out of windows. But it was part of sort of a great revival. And um, and I saw looks on people's faces last night. They I saw they wanted to jump out the window. Um, so personal crisis, we all go through it. And so you know I had to you know process all of this, thinking about Jesus' death on the cross, in a, in a very very serious way. Um, so how else does the cross help us? I told you I would talk to the one percent of you who are not going through a crisis. Um, do you, you guys remember David, a uh, man after God's own heart? He, uh, one spring, he did not go out to war with his men. He should have. And, um, 
and he ends up seeing Bathsheba, commits adultery with her, and murders Bathsheba's husband. Uh, and this is a man after God's own heart. Um, the, the lesson there is that even in good times, uh, when we see the cross, we see that Jesus came to help the poor and needy, meaning me and you and all of us, and we've got to be about His work. When things are good for us, you need to be out there fighting the fight with your brothers and sisters. And when I say fighting the fight, I mean on your knees praying um, or visiting, reaching out. Uh, We have got to be about the mercy piece of the puzzle, reaching out uh, when things are good for us. And that was was for the 1% of you who are not going through a crisis right now. Um, for obedience. Uh, Jesus explained Himself through Moses and all the prophets. Moses, uh, we understand, often refers to the law. And Tim Ackley took us through the Ten Commandments series um, before obedience. That commandment series starts with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Uh, Again, a reference to, to deliverance and points again to Jesus Christ delivering us from sin and He has freed us to obey. God does want us to obey Him. The cross is for obedience. Uh, For health. Um, Isaiah 53 that talks a lot about the suffering servant that the two on the road to Emmaus didn't understand too well. Um, He says, by His wounds we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. Um, And uh, I do believe that God can can physically heal us. Um, but again, these uh, what we're in today are shells that will be you know, gone. A hundred years from now, none of us will be alive. So obviously, um, physical healing is temporary um, and uh, but is, is meant to glorify God. Uh, but we need spiritual healing, many of us. Um, there are demonic forces that are out there to, uh, to get you, to come after you. Tim talked about last week, uh, Jesus is the God of authority and uh, how he, can, uh, he has control over the demonic and, um, and now he has placed that on you. How did he do that? By the cross. Um, by his spilt, shed blood on the cross. Um, have you ever felt worthless? Just like, wow, you know, I am just not anything, okay? Uh, we've, we've all been there. Hopelessness. The two on the road to Emmaus were feeling hopelessness. They even said in verse 21, but we had hoped. Well, I know that you are valuable. How, how do I know that you are valuable? Valuable enough for me to uh, preach a sermon to you, uh, to, you know, do, do this thing. I know that because of Jesus' death on the cross. You are, I, I don't know all of you. I would like to. Um, but as we have multiple services and we're all over the place, uh, it's not easy to get to know everyone. But one thing I do know is that you are not worthless. That you are valuable. Because the infinite God sent His Son. And think about that. Jesus Christ... Is the second person in the Trinity. You have God the Father, you have the Holy Spirit, uh, the three persons of the Trinity. They had a relationship from eternity past that was perfect. 
They, you know, God did not need us. Okay? And then, but did create us out of love. And then we turned away from Him. And Jesus stepped out of glory and, and came here. You know, um, I, I was struck by the line in the song earlier, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin. Uh, how, I'll ne- what is the line? I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. We, we will not, we cannot understand when that relationship between God the Father and God the Son was broken on the cross. And Psalm, Psalm 22 speaks to this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, again, the Old Testament really explains uh, the New Testament um, better than, than any of us could. Uh, when that relationship was broken for us, God said, you are worth everything to me. If you ever feel worthless or hopeless or feel like giving up, go to the cross. And there you're going to find how much God values you. Uh, I had someone who, who said, you know, hey, uh, why don't you, uh, you're, you're preaching, why don't you uh, preach on the gifts? So I'll do that right now uh, in light of the cross. The gifts are like plumbing. Okay, plumbing does what? It takes bad stuff out of your house and brings water into your house. Good stuff. Um, Jesus does that for us. So the gifts are simply plumbing. If you have the gift of, um, you know, singing or whatever, and you know, I could, you know, audition right now for you guys. But yeah, the whole make sure the windows are closed. Um, whatever your gifts are. Use them to deliver the living water, Jesus Christ. Um, the death, resurrection, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we are to be delivering through our gifts of mercy, helping, um, whatever, whatever you're called to do. Uh, for connection, how does the cross connect us? This is something that God's really been uh, teaching me, and uh, Rich Fires spoke to the uh, the board about connection. We have got to be connecting with other Christians. Uh, how does the the cross speak about connection? Well, we get we get it. We understand that God connected us. Jesus connected us back to a right relationship with God. So we've been reconciled. But how can we be connected to other people? Well. You connect to people by having things in common with them. And uh, I know you look at some people and say, well, you know, I have nothing in common with this person. Maybe they're not a Christian, whatever, whatever the case. Well, you do have something in common with them. You were born a sinner. They were born a sinner. You need a Savior. They need a Savior. It goes back to the cross. Connect. Connect with people. Um, in all of these ways, uh, you know, you can connect with people who feel worthless because you felt worthless. You can connect with people um, who feel worthless because Jesus Christ showed you that you were valuable. You can show other people that are valuable for connection. The, the cross speaks to us of connection. Um, and I talked about crisis in your life. And again, when you face a crisis, I want you asking the question, what does the cross of Jesus Christ mean to me today? I want you asking that question. 
it's, it's going to be healing for you. Um, but for connection, again, we've, we've got to be people who reach out. Jesus Christ, when He was on the cross, He was in a crisis, right? I mean, you're, you're, you've been beaten, you've been hung on a cross. That's a crisis. That's a real crisis. Um, and what did He do? He connected with a thief. He connected with His mother. He connected with John. Jesus Christ is all about connecting. He told us, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, uh, connecting. Why do you think Paul the Apostle said that I, I want to know nothing? Now, Paul is a really, really bright guy. He can speak many languages. And he said, I want to know nothing else except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why did Paul say that? Because he had thought about all of this and he'd come to this conclusion. And uh, we should too. Again, Romans 8.32. Let's, let's turn there. Romans 8.32. I've talked about shame, sin, life, crisis, good times, feeling worthless, gifts, connection, being reconciled to God. Uh, Paul does a better job than me. He says in 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? So going back to the, uh, the Luke passage, Jesus uh, told them that they were slow of heart and, uh, to believe um, they were foolish. But then in verse 28, this is what happened. Luke 24, verse 28. <clears throat> says this, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as, as if he were going further, but they, they urged him, saying strongly, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as we talked with him, as he talked with us on the road while he opened the scriptures to us? Jesus broke the bread and they recognized him. Jesus Certainly, you understand the, the significance of the bread. Jesus has broken His body for you. Recognize Him. Is He the stranger walking beside you, talking to you during your crisis? Is He the stranger walking beside you? I know many times in my life I don't recognize when Jesus is walking beside me, speaking to me through His Holy Spirit, reminding me of His Word. Um, recognize Him. Lord, open our eyes that we may see Jesus and Him crucified and resurrected, I pray. I'm going to close by praying for you through uh, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. Father, for this reason that I kneel before you,
from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray to that of your glorious riches, you would strengthen these in front of me with your power through the Spirit and their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And I pray that Cornerstone Church and our visitors will be rooted and established in love and have power together with all your holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Amen.